right, um, welcome guys. Thank you guys for joining me today. Um, my name is Tayo Akinsanya. Currently, I serve as one of the chairs um, for Dialogue with a Dog, and this is our first podcast episode. Um, today, we have um, Alex Lynn and Caleb Adams joining us. Um, Alex Lynn is currently the systems engineer of the MultiView Onboard Computational Imager, or MOCI for short, mission um, at the UJ Small Satellite Research Lab. Uh, she likes things like space and things in space. Her interests also include software-defined radio, signal processing, and high robust high performance computing systems. Alex plans to work at um, North Rope Gunman Space Systems at, at an embedded system research after graduation. And Caleb Adams is our alumni for today. Um, Caleb Adams currently works in the Distributed Spacecraft Autonomy Group at NASA's Ames Research Center. He is interested in small satellite systems, autonomous systems, computer vision, and high-performance edge computer computing. Um, prior to working at NASA, Caleb co-founded the UGA Small Satellite Research Lab with friends he um, still collaborates with. Um, so thank you guys so much for joining us today. Um, I apologize if you can hear my dog in the background. I hope that that'll go away soon. But thank you guys so much for joining us today. So um, to get started, um, I kind of just have some intro questions for y'all. Um, and then I think we can both just uh, whoever wants to go first. Uh, so first one is like, what did you guys study or, or studying while you were at UGA? So hi, this is Caleb. Uh, I studied computer science, both as an undergrad and a graduate student with the computer science department. So that's what I studied. Um, and this is Alex. I am currently studying computer systems engineering at the College of Engineering. Awesome, okay. Um, thank you. Uh, so my next question is, uh, what do you, you guys and Alex currently, what do you find to be the biggest challenge um, like as a student or for you, Caleb, the biggest challenge that, um, that you had when you were a student here at you know, the University of Georgia? For me, it was uh, definitely balancing a lot of the lab work with school and classes. I wasn't uh, always the best at that, but I eventually did find a balance between the two. Gotcha. Yeah, I have a similar answer, um, being able to find that right balance between school and extracurriculars like the research lab. Um, I remember when I was like around like a freshman or sophomore, I was very into the work I was doing for the lab more so than I was for my classwork and would pour all my time into my lab tasks. Obviously, as a result, my grades kind of suffered, but I learned how to manage my time better in the following semesters. But first, it's just like a member of the team and then leading a team and knowing when to say no to doing additional work from like my personal limits. Um, I still struggle with this to an extent, especially when it comes to like my third responsibility, which is taking care of myself which can go out the window sometimes, but I imagine this is probably something I'm gonna struggle with for the rest of my life. <laughs> Hopefully not. I think that's a great point. Yeah, I, it's another thing that uh, maybe it's, uh, it's not probably unique to engineering and science, but it definitely becomes clear when, when you know, you're around a bunch of people who really care about what they're doing. It can, find, it can be tough to balance that third thing, like you're saying, Alex, uh, you know, your mental health and things like that. That's also something that, you know, was something valuable I learned uh, through the process of, you know, going, going through this. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can only imagine because I mean, I, I kind of find it hard just finding time for myself. So I can't imagine with the work that you guys um, do and have done, like, 
like I don't get how you guys would have time because I mean I know the work you guys do is really important so I can only imagine um so uh, my next question is actually for you Caleb um and I just wanted to know how did the process of starting the UGA small research lab work and what led you and some of your friends to like want to start it like what was the kind of reasoning behind that yeah so the lab didn't start as a lab it really came out of uh, the startup scene that was in Athens at the time when I was an undergrad. I was around a bunch of other computer science people who were involved in the, uh, the nonprofit for Athens uh, organization, which is just an organization that basically helps startups uh, get cheaper offices and tries to connect them to different people. And then I got involved with the entrepreneurship program a little bit uh, at UGA. And I was always interested in space and things like that. And I had just come off of a NASA internship and I was kind of like, I didn't want to stop working on stuff like that because it really excites me. And so uh, me and a few of my friends started, um, playing with, you know, how could we do a business concept that would make any sense? Uh, the, the TLDR is business concepts for space generally don't make sense. So spoiler alert there, but um, what was cool about it is we ended up liking the science and we ended up liking the technology that would be involved for making stuff. And when we were looking at the cost associated with making a satellite, that really drove us to something called a cube satellite. So these are really small, cheap satellites. I say cheap in quotes, you know, these things still like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, and you can really make a satellite as expensive as you want. <laughs> But uh, it drove us in that direction because you could actually make a um, you could actually make a one U cube satellite, which is like the size of a tissue box. You could make that for about 10k, which sounds like a lot for a college student, right? Uh, but we thought we thought we could kickstart it. We thought we could uh, scrape together some funding and and try to do that. And so we got part of the way towards that. And, you know, during uh, the process of like building a team with me and my friends, we started talking to some professors at UGA. And then that's when we started asking them, if we did send this up, would you want it to do anything other than just blink, basically? And of course, the, the professors at UGA had great ideas about what they wanted it to do. And that's how we started writing proposals with the professors. And so that was just a natural progression of adding in some components, and then we were fortunate enough to get funded for two missions, the Mochi and the Spock missions. You already mentioned Mochi. That's what is uh, it's the current ongoing task of the small sat lab um, that Alex is really helping out a lot with. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the that's kind of the short story. I mean, there's a lot a lot of other stuff that we could get into, but yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Um... Seems like you guys kind of had some had some a lot of fun along the way starting it. It sounds like a lot of work, but it sounds like you guys were really passionate about it. Um, uh, so the next question I have is for both of you guys. And so, how has like the the UGA Small Satellite Research Lab helped you uh, throughout your years um, here at UGA? And anybody can go first. Doesn't? Um, I guess I can go ahead. Um, I would say it's helped me tremendously in like a lot of aspects. Um, 
obviously I've learned a lot of technical skills I wouldn't have otherwise from just my classes. And I got actual hands-on experience with building a satellite. And I know now how to lead a team and manage it. But most importantly, in my opinion, um, I developed like lifelong relationship with friends and mentors who I value not only as just brilliant engineers, right? But also as like really kind, really funny people. Um, they've enriched my life in ways that like, I can't really accurately like describe in words. Um, and they also helped me achieve things I wouldn't have alone. So really just the people I got to meet in the lab were probably the best part. All the other stuff is just a bonus. I want to echo that definitely by like, you know, stuff that we were able to achieve that we couldn't have achieved alone. That's the, that's the key takeaway that I got from it because it's, it's really nice uh, looking back and seeing all of this, all of the work that everybody put in, because if you total my amount of work, yeah, I was there at the beginning. Right. But like, my work is probably 5% of what happened. <laughs> Everybody else did most of it, you know? And so that's, that's what I got out of it. Just realizing how much, uh, how, how, you know, building good relationships with people who care about the same stuff that you do can like, uh, really enrich everybody. That, that's been really nice to see. Yeah, I think about that, like Parks and Rec quote, which I'm pretty sure is quoted from somewhere else, but it's like, you know, no one achieves anything alone. Um, I think about that a lot when I'm in the lab, both physically and metaphorically. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think uh, like the space industry and space exploration and all that sort of stuff, it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good like backdrop for that sort of um, problem solving, group problem solving, you know, that's why I like it a lot. Seems like you guys had some really good times um, here at UJ with the uh, small satellite research lab. Um, so like that kind of leads into my next question um, with all the things that you said um, that you guys said about how good and what it's brought for you guys. What advice would you give to students that are interested in a small satellite research lab? Like if they're looking to get into it? Well, the first is to apply. Uh, there's a you can go onto the smallsat website, smallsat.uga.edu, and you can apply to the lab. Uh, usually there's a big push. I assume that it's still happening in a similar way now that I'm gone, um, that where there's like lots of PR about, hey, join the lab if you want. The thing I would say is don't get discouraged because most members don't make it in on their first application. And that's only because uh, usually a lot of people wanna come in and help and that's really awesome but like you can only make a team so big and it still remain functional. That's, that's uh, so sometimes it just takes, you know, one more programming class or one more mechanical engineering class or one art design class. Cause we don't just, you know, have engineers and programmers in the lab, right? We've got all sorts of other people. Um, some, you know, so apply multiple times if, uh, if you're, genuinely interested and usually at the second application we'll we'll go ahead and schedule an interview to talk to you <laughs> you know yeah. and just really try to try to be on your side yeah like even if you don't know like a lot of things about building satellites or how to like program even um especially you're a freshman or sophomore or someone young we really are looking for like passion and like the motivation to learn things um because it's like, yeah, it's like one thing to like know how to program, but then actually doing it and like staying in the lab and like doing your tasks digitally, that's 
that's a different matter. Um, and as long as you have a drive to keep learning things, even if they're hard, uh, I guess that's like what we're looking for. Um, I mean, even for me, when I first applied to the lab, I was very bad. I can't believe I got in because I pretty much bombed my uh, software interview, but look at me now, I suppose, right? I mean, I know things. Uh, yeah, that's I would say the most important part, I guess, just like sum that up is not what you know, but what you are able to do in the future for the lab. Yeah, I think uh, that's a really good point. It's um, and for those who don't know how the process works, it's a it's a multi-round process where you know you apply and we'll talk to you, and then there is a technical interview. And I think a lot of people get scared about the technical interview because Alex, um, I'll go ahead and tell you now, you got really good scores in your interview, and we all loved you <laughs> when you applied. That's and very so surprising. We were, really <laughs> we were very happy to have you, but it's it's the same like, uh, it's the same thing that you're talking about where it, it doesn't really matter. So we're all students, right? In the lab, everybody's a student. You're, everybody's learning. Everybody's trying to build off one another to create this thing. Okay. So you can't expect people to come in with like years of experience and just like completely, you know, ace a technical interview. That's really not what it's completely designed for. Uh, it's it's about like motivation and problem solving. And it's also like, uh, you know, the lab, uh, when it started, nobody knew anything either, right? So who who are we to go back later and say, we expect you to know this? Okay, if I had tried to go through the interview process with the lab uh, as a freshman, I wouldn't have gotten in. <laughs> so it's like just... Keep, keep that in mind if you're interested about it. You know, it probably would have taken me until like sophomore or junior year to get in. Awesome. I kind of, I love that y'all are like, just to, despite um, if you might not get in the first time, just to kind of be resilient. Cause I feel like a lot of things in college are, you gotta be resilient for that. So I love, I love that outlook, um, but you guys are doing great work. Uh, so my next questions uh, are kind of um, they're geared towards you, Alex. Um, I want to know first, what is your position of systems engineer of the MultiView onboard compute com computational imager like um, for the Moxie consist of like on a like what you what do you do in the inside the lab? Right. So I would say like more my role is kind of like a mixture between being an actual systems engineer and like a project manager sort of deal. Um, my main job as like the systems engineering portion is to ensure that like all the individual sub teams that work underneath us from mission operations to the mechanical and structural team are meeting the requirements of the mission right um basically i'm like taking i'm the one taking a step back and looking at the satellite from the big picture and not just getting like caught in like the finer details like looking at like the grass if that's a saying um and just seeing like the satellite from a whole like from like a holistic perspective uh that being said, that means I also do a lot or am responsible for a lot of the major technical decisions that take place and all system level testing for the components and subsystems that are on the vehicle. Um, so that means I'm constantly coordinating with the Air Force Research Labs who are sponsoring the Mochi mission and with each individual team lead and making sure that the tasking that they're giving to their team members is correct and on the right track towards good design convergence when we're in like the design phase of the satellite and also um, ultimately the mission success. So that's something I would my role as. Awesome, thank you. Um, and then I guess this next question is more of like, I'm not very aware of like, 
I'm not very like I would say I don't I don't have a lot of knowledge on what you guys do so I was kind of like this might be like a very a very like entry level question but I wanted to know what does like the software define radio until like or like what is that um so right so not knowing much yeah no problem um so traditionally radio systems are hardware defined right so all the single processing the work that's required to interpret a signal coming in and transform a signal coming out when you're transmitting um, is done by actual physical components, things like filters, modulators, and amps. Um, those are like, if you were to like break open um, a hardware-defined radio, you would see these individual components. And you're like, okay, this is the path that the signal is traveling through. But in software-defined radio, this is instead implemented entirely in software. So like with a software-defined radio receiver, for instance, the analog signal that is being received is first converted to like a digital signal. And then that digital signal is processed by the software that's happening on a computer. So you do need like a computer in play. Um, this ends up being a lot co more cost effective because with a hardware radio, you have kind of have to get like these specialized components to do those things. Whereas in software, it really is just code and then a processor to do this work. But it also ends up being a lot more complicated at the same time. So if you're like, if you have like your hardware radio in front of you, if you want to like listen to a station, you just kind of like turn the knob and it's like select like the right uh, modulation scheme and then you're good to go to listen to the signal. Whereas with software defined radio, you kind of have to play around with it a little bit more. Um, it's more like a trial and error thing, especially if you're not like a signal processing guru. Um, there are like graphical programs like a new radio that sort of like help you see these things from like a graphical perspective, like like individual blocks that represent each like step of like the signal processing pipeline. But ultimately, it is a lot more harder to figure out, especially compared to the uh, image I just, just, just like described with the Harbor Radio. Um, so, like in our lab, we actually use both, though. So, our UHF, our ultra-high frequency um, band that we use for telemetry and telecommanding, that's used with a hardware-defined radio system for a ground station, and then our S-band, which is just used for transmitting uh, very large amounts of data from our satellite to the ground and not the other way around. Um, that uses software-defined radios. So we kind of you can kind of use both systems concurrently, uh, but like I said, the pros and cons that I described are, I guess, what determines your needs for the integral system. Awesome. Okay. I mean, I think I, I learned a little bit more, but I think cool. you're that you were that you're kind of saying that the the software-defined radio is more of like it's more computer-based and it's run through. It's not. It's more. I guess more toward looking towards the future as far as technology versus the hardware one, correct? if I'm correct. Yeah, so it's like, there, obviously there's still hardware involved with yeah. the sound, like your computer and like, or your embedded system, but that's the kind of scheme you're setting up. But with like the hardware defined radio, like you need like the physical filter and then like the physical amplifier in place. Um, and those like, you have to like purchase those and I like set that up with like the software defined, you really just write some lines of code ultimately. Okay. And okay. Do the processing, yep. Makes sense, makes sense, okay, thank you, all right. Okay, so uh, my next questions are for Caleb. Um, so my first question, we're gonna shift gears from the the small um, satellite research lab. Uh, I wanna know, how did you find your job with NASA? Like post-grad, what did that look like? Yeah, so I know we're shifting gears from the small sat lab, but that's really where it starts. So uh, through this process, I was uh, at one point doing what Alex is now doing, uh, even though, you know, my roles, my roles shifted around a bit, even while I was there. Um, and through that process, like Alex is talking about how she's able to uh, 
you know, meet with the Air Force Research Lab. I was also fortunate enough to meet with other research labs and NASA centers. And one of the NASA centers that we partner with the most is NASA Ames, and that's where I now work. Uh, there's there's a UGA alum. His name is Roger Hunter. He uh, worked on the Kepler mission and lots of other missions as well. And uh, through the through the lab, I got to know him personally, and I had some chances to come out here and test one of our satellites that was out here before. And because I had already interned at NASA, I kind of knew how things went a little bit in the background. And when it came time to talk to the people I knew, I asked them, hey, uh, is there anybody hiring? And I originally got hired on as a contractor. So people have this idea that you have to go through and get hired like in any particular way. And there's really not a particular way. There's a few ways you can get hired at NASA. You can uh, you can do internships that are not directly related to uh, the center, even though you'll be at the center. These are through what it's something called like University Space Research Association or something like that. And those uh, those are just that's like an independent organization that funds you to go to NASA. Uh, then there's also pathways internships, which will actually directly turn into a job after your internship. So these are more like co-ops. And then there's uh, the contracting positions where uh, another company, NASA pays a company to pay you basically. And so that's how I started out here and I've actually transitioned over to a civil servant. So I'm now just straight to the government. <laughs> but uh, so that's kind of how that happened. And, and I'm just putting that out there for anybody else who kind of wants to know, you know, if you're really interested in working on NASA, just letting you know a little bit uh, stuff that I would have liked to have known as a student. And uh, the the real way that it happened though is um, I started contacting all the people I met in the small sat lab through like a network and just told them what I was interested in and asked them if they had any jobs basically. <laughs> and that's kind of how I ended up here, but it's not necessarily the, uh, not necessarily something everybody can do. So I, I would recommend, you know, if you're fortunate enough to have like a college degree and you're fortunate enough to, you know, to enjoy like space and then be involved in something like a small set lab, definitely take advantage of the network. So, yeah, thank you for that. So I have a follow-up question for that. So um, what does your day-to-day -day work look like? Like, what do you do and like, or you go in the office and um, if you don't mind, could you elaborate on like how it changed like due to the pandemic? Um, Cause I feel like everybody probably changed in some capacity but I'm interested to know like what happened with NASA or with what the work that you do. Yeah, so NASA is very safe with how they handle everything and everybody who can work remote is. And then, so there's basically no on-site work right now, other than flight uh, or mission critical uh, things. Now I, I'm currently just programming, so I'm programming for um, for the DSA group, the Distributed Spacecraft Autonomy Group, uh, and that's a software payload that runs on the Starlink mission, which is a series of uh, small satellites that are basically going to fly in a formation, and they do all sorts of neat rearranging and communications and it's, it's really cool but uh, I, I don't need to be on base yet until I start working with hardware and so actually the entire time since I graduated uh, which was like last year 
uh, till now, I've just been working remotely, which is kind of interesting. But uh, so I don't actually have the experience of going on base yet and working in the lab that I would work in. Now I have been on, I have been at Ames, NASA Ames, which for those of y'all who don't know, that's in the Bay Area by like San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose. Um, and I've actually been on base, uh, but I have only been on base when I was still a student, which is kind of funny. Wow. Okay. Oh, uh, so um, I'm guessing that maybe once like the pandemic kind of like subsides a little bit, then you would like actually go on base and you would go back to working in like maybe a more of an office type setting or whatever that um like, that kind of looks like, right? Um, or is it like completely remote? Yeah, so there, there's a few options that uh, the center has been throwing out and I don't really know what the final plan is, but I, you know, for, for some people, it'll make more sense to work remotely. Like, like people who are more established in their career, who've got like families and stuff, uh, they're probably gonna wanna stay home and keep working remote certain days. But for me, I personally wanna go on base as much as possible. I wanna get in the lab and start messing with the hardware because uh, that, that's just fun. <laughs> And, and that's what we'll probably, uh, that, that's what I'll probably be doing uh, once things finally clear up. Awesome, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm excited for you. I hope that everything kind of works out like, and you get to go back into the lab and you know, actually, like you said, mess with the hardware and have some fun and like get to see how everything works. Um, um, my next question um, is actually for you, Alex, and I, um, thinking about post-graduation, I wanna know what led you to choose um, the North Northrop Gunman Space Systems to start your career? Um, well, they're pretty good space company, I would say. And that was like the biggest draw. Um, besides like the location, the work-life balance, I also like really like my coworkers there. Um, most importantly, I really like the work that we're doing there. It's like very cutting edge and I get to do like a lot of cool things that other people haven't done before. Um, yeah, that was, that was the biggest draw for me. And then also getting to program the satellites, which is what I prefer to be doing. Um, it's also a cool place to work because there's a lot of positions and it's like a very large company. So if I wanted to try something else, they actually have a program in place that'll let me like explore a bunch of like different like sectors within the space uh, division, like assembly integration and testing or systems engineering. Um, if I wanted to, I could go into those roles for a little bit and see what that's like and then figure out if I wanted like stick with that or just something else I'd rather do. Basically just like the, the freedom to explore different roles um, within the space design and building process. I find that really cool. Awesome. So where where is it located if you don't mind me asking? You said location. Um, it's in Dulles, Virginia. So kind of in like the metro area of Washington, DC. Okay, nice, nice. Awesome, well, I'm excited for you and congratulations. Thank you. You're welcome. So I've got a couple more questions left. Uh, so, and these ones are for both um, you, um, Alex and Caleb. Uh, so what kind of drew you guys to pursue a career in this field? Like, what was that kind of like turning moment or if it happened before college or high school or in college, like, hey, like I really want to do this or, um, or work with, with space and like get to do things that incorporate the satellites and things of that nature? Well, for me at least, I think it's as simple as it's interesting and it makes me, you know, want to get up in the morning and do it. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I don't believe there is such a thing as a dream job. I think that uh, to some extent, the grass is never green on the other side. So uh, 
in, in whatever way you can, you know, get enjoyment out of your work. Uh, that's probably the right way to go with it. And, uh, you know, if you're for, again, if you're fortunate enough to be able to afford a college degree, then you can do that. And, and, you know, that's really what kind of led me here. The experience of, you know, going through college and being able to take internships and then figure out what I liked and what I didn't, and then go to grad school to continue to pursue what I liked is really what ended up leading me here. So if you have, you know, that privilege, you should really take advantage of it. And, you know, keep in mind uh, that you, you know, if you have the opportunity to take interns and stuff later, and you should, you know, be sure to uh, spread that out, if you will. But really, I think it's as simple as it's interesting and, you know, makes you want to get up in the morning. Yeah, I would also, I also have like a similar, like, experience being able to have these opportunities, like being privileged enough to take those at least and have those exposed to me in the first place. Like in high school, um, I had the opportunity to join a robotics team. And from there, I was able to learn that I actually really like programming or I guess put more generally like problem solving and then preferably further do that through code. Um, I got to explore that while I was in high school so that I can easily just like pick my major going to college. And then in college here, I discovered like the small satellite research laboratory and I figured I also really like space. So um, those two interests sort of, you know, they're, they're obviously at a nice intersection and um, that's that's the career I was able to go in. Like Caleb said, I was also able to like have those opportunities presented to me in the first place, figuring out what I liked and then sort of narrowing that down to a job that I really enjoy. And, and building on that a little bit, I think there's no way I could have told you where I would be now like five years ago, uh, even though like some of these opportunities were in front of me. So it's not like you have to plan this out necessarily, right? Like sometimes just, you know, being willing to like figure out what you enjoy and don't when you have the opportunities to do so, I think is really valuable. Most definitely. Um, so my final question for you guys is, is there any like final thoughts or anecdotes that you want to share any kind of last minute advice that you would give to any students or anything like that, that are looking um, for direction or looking for uh, going towards this field? I would say, uh, get involved. Like, just get involved, start doing stuff doesn't have to be space. I mean, like Alex was saying, she was involved in a robotics club in high school and, you know, satellites are basically robots. They are robots, you know, I mean, and then robots, you know, they have com certain components and, you know, you don't have to be super overwhelmed by the scope of all of these problems to begin getting involved in some of them. It can be as simple as doing a weekend project that you enjoy and then continuing to do that, basically. Yeah, I was going to say the exact That's same thing. Say. Yeah, literally just get involved with something and do stuff. Um, the most important thing is that you don't really dawdle on like your thoughts, like, oh, making sure like I'm doing the right thing or like optimizing my time to see like the end product that I get was the best use of my time. Like I wouldn't think about that. Um, just if you have an idea and you really want to do it, just go ahead and do it. Um, obviously, this is not like counting like the whole design process part. You should put like thought into your design process, but where whether like the question of whether or not you should actually do the thing, always lean towards the answer of just doing the thing. Yep. <laughs>
Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Those are all the questions that we have. Um, I hope that both of you guys uh, have fun in your careers and go very far. I'm, I'm excited and congratulations in advance um, to you, Alex, with your with um, what you're going to do with the North um, Thorpe Gunman Space Systems. And congratulations to you, Caleb, with what you're doing at NASA. Um, you guys are doing great work. So thank you guys so much for just taking some time out of your day just to um, talk with us. Um, and so just thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting us on. Yeah, thank you.